0: this is Don Stradley and I'm here with Jennifer Churchill. We're doing the Film Detective Focus and Jennifer has become a bit of a phenomenon around the film detective. She's involved in all sorts of projects. Uh, I want to start talking about your book. Tell us about your book that came out uh, a while ago. Uh, How did it come to be? What's it all about?
2: 2018, um, Movies Are Magic. And it has this really long subtitle. I'll show it to you. Um, The subtitle is, A Kid's History of the Moving Image From the Dawn of Time to About
0: 1939.
2: (laughs) Hold it up so we can get a good look at it. Okay.
0: Okay.
2: And uh, the film detective uh, will be partnering with me to release the director's cut of this. We're adding some more stuff to it and a teacher's guide that will be added to the back that will be coming out soon. So it'll be even cooler than this. Um, but the reason I gave it that long-winded subtitle was because, um, and the reason I had to end in 1939 was that was when the you know the big blockbuster successful color movies came out, Gone with the Wind and The Wizard of Oz, and so I was able to touch on all the like major developments of the history of film from the beginning of time, <laughs> um, storytelling. I kind of started out talking about how storytelling itself has been important to humans since, since humans have been around with you know, cave drawings and, and the development of language. And then I even mentioned the invention of the printing press. And I sort of skip through those things briefly and then start talking about the invention of series motion photography, um, and vaudeville shows, and light shows, and flip books, and just how how movies came to be, because I, I wish kids today knew more where the videos, and, and games, and streaming things they're watching on their smartphones and devices, I just, I wish they had a little bit more awareness, and knowledge of, of the history of, of the invention of film, and there's a lot of Cool STEM stuff in there too. Once teachers get exposed to it and realize it's not just about the history of the movies and talking about Casablanca and how cool Humphrey Bogart is and all that stuff, there's actual like you know scientific advancements and cool cool stuff embedded into the whole history of film. So,
0: so you you take them from the darkness of the caves <laughs> to the darkness of the movie theater.
2: Yes, it's just. Uh, <laughs> What does she say in Sunset Boulevard? All you wonderful people out there! In the-
0: <laughs> well, t- tell me how how did you become such a movie buff?
2: Um, I think I- I'm I'm no Shirley MacLaine, but if there was such a thing, if there is such a thing as reincarnation, I swear I must have lived in the at the end of the 20s and the into the mid 30s because since I was like 10 years old, that era of film. It would be on like PBS on Sunday afternoon growing up, you know, before before TCM, before streaming, before before there was like access to classic movies, they would show up once in a while on a Sunday afternoon on TV. And I would just be drawn to it. And my mom would tell me, oh, that's Katherine Hepburn and that's Carrie Cran. She would she was my Google and my TCM and my film detective all wrapped into one. And she knew who everybody was and would tell me, um, you know, even the gossip and all of that. So, um, anyway, so I just grew up loving, I I love, I love the dial, the snappy dialogue. I love the clothes they wear. I love the music, big band music. And so I just, I've just always been drawn to that era. And then the films that, that I saw when I was a kid and I don't like the Academy Awards and all the, like the, the glitz and glamor of Hollywood and all, and the history of it was like a fun thing in our family that the the women in my family sort of um had in common my grandma my mom my aunt Michelle we all just we loved the Academy Awards I got to stay up late and I grew up in Michigan so the Academy Awards end at like midnight so I would I'd have permission to not go to school on Monday. <laughs> it was it was just like a it was a, you know it was our it was our Super Bowl. So um so I had that which was sort of like a family thing. And then when I went to college um I went to Aquinas College in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's a private liberal arts college. And one of my professors, Dr. Andrew Jeffcheck, who has passed away, he was a film historian. Um, He was a film critic for the Grand Rapids Press for decades. So he was well known in the state. And um, I ended up being his research assistant when I was in college and got exposed to, like he would send me down to the library to get these old film reels. And then my assignment would be to like, to watch an old movie and make note of every time somebody smokes and, you know, he would be doing some sort of research project on smoking in old movies. And I never knew the end result, really, I would just be doing my little piece. Um, But I real that was the first time I realized the study of film or film itself could be any sort of academic pursuit. It was just, there was no film schools in Michigan at the time or that I knew about or even... You know any sort of trajectory of studying film or getting a degree in film or anything of that nature. So it was all just sort of a revelation to me that you could that you could be academic about it. Um, and then I I was a, a journalist for years and years before I went into doing PR stuff for a living. Um, and I would always force force myself to be the film reviewer. I would be like, I, you you need someone writing film reviews in this little podunk newspaper or wherever I worked. Um, And so I would end up being on movie sets and I was like the self-designated, you know, film person. Um, And I would write film reviews and go make deals with the local movie theater to get a free pass for the year. So I could write film reviews and go see as many movies as I wanted. So I've just, I've just loved movies. I, I love all sorts of movies, but I just particularly love the classics and especially Movies, I, I love silent films and I love movies through the early 40s. That would be my, those are my favorite decades. Well, I,
0: I can certainly relate to uh, a lot of what you're saying. I, I remember uh, when I was a kid, you know, you had one TV in the house mm-hmm. and, you know, three or four channels. And if uh, you came home from school or, or you were just kind of bumming around the house on a Saturday afternoon, you'd turn on the TV and 50% of the time there'd be an old movie that would come on, Mm -hmm. you know? So when I was a kid, you know, I, I got to know, uh, John Wayne movies and, and Jimmy Cagney and Fred Astaire. And, uh, I liked the old horror movies. So I, I got to know Boris Karloff, you know, and, and And, uh, you know, just as your parents did, you know, my mother would say, oh yeah, that's Boris, you know, she would sort of introduce me to these these people on the tube. Uh, And to me, they were just as relevant as Robert De Niro or John Travolta or, you know, whoever was, you know, new and and bright and shiny in Hollywood in that period. To me, John Wayne and, and Boris Karloff were every bit as vital and important because I saw them all the time on TV. Yeah. You know. And so, nobody
2: was more handsome than Cary Grant. I don't care how new or I I, 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 just I remember
0: like seeing it. I remember seeing, you know, old Jack Lemon movies and, and and thinking they were great. Uh, but but seems like as time progressed, those older movies became marginalized. And you would only see them if you were some sort of film scholar. You, you know, the average person didn't really check them out. Uh, you only saw Citizen Kane if you were if you were studying film. You yeah, know? you're
2: being uh,
0: tor- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, 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 uh, you, you you would only see these old movies if, if uh, you, you were sort of fanatical about them. And I, I never considered myself a real movie fanatic. I, I thought of myself as just a regular guy who watched a lot of movies, you know, it was not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you find yourself realizing, wow, I, I really like the old ones <laughs> better than <laughs> the, the more uh, contemporary things. Now, uh, it seems like kids in the last uh, 10 or 20 years, I would say, children's programming almost made it impossible for kids to just stumble across an old movie the way you and I might have, you know, nowadays, if a kid turns on the TV, it, he probably goes directly to, you know, the Disney channel or, or SpongeBob or, or whatever, whatever is being you know, marketed to kids He's not going to see Red River with, with John right. Wayne. you know. He's not right. going to see anything like that, probably.
2: Unless your um, mom turns it on and forces you to watch it, like I do. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, I <seven-year-old. laughs>
0: yeah you know, uh, like I said, uh, we had one TV. If, if my father was watching an old Western, well, that's what I watched that day. You know, that was it. I didn't get to go to my room and watch something else. You know, right. I kind of, you know, picked up. The tastes of uh, my mom and dad, so now the kids are less likely to to see these old movies.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, do you think they're missing out on on a big part of the culture?
2: Oh, absolutely. And even there's, you know, move, movie maker people people who make movies. Um, they they're aware of these movies, and you'll there'll be references cute little references and um, you know, like Pixar movies. I can't I can't think of a specific thing, but you might hear someone talk in a Humphrey Bogart voice for a second.
1: If I loved you a thousand times more than you say you love me, it still wouldn't make any difference. I've got to have money. Doctor's orders are that I must have a lot of money. Otherwise I become dull, listless and have trouble with my complexion.
2: Well, they don't get the joke. and And to me, and the reason I probably didn't really answer your question about why I wrote the book Um, because I, I want kids to understand there is a linear connection. And when they're seeing all these special effects in a movie, the guys who made those special effects are probably very aware of King Kong from 1933 and, and study, they study that and it informs the work they do now. And they might even pay homage to it and make little references and it's all connected. And, and I don't think they need to be siloed. And I don't think, I think just because it's, filmed in black and white. I mean, there are new films filmed in black and white because the director decides they like that style or that look. And I just think, you know, it's, I don't remember who said it. Maybe, um, I don't know who said it. You might know uh, some sort of paraphrase quote that it's no movie's old if you've never seen it or it's not an old movie if you've never seen it. And I think that was maybe Lauren Bacall said it, I think, but um, I think that's true. I think there's just, it, it's, it's an art form and you could never see every movie ever made. Um, and I just think people are missing out. I love the, the, one of the things that I like about having, I'll say old movies on, like, especially with my seven-year-old in the room is the pacing is so much different. Um, it's, it's long shots of people just having a conversation without even any music in the background. There's not very many explosions. There's, it, it's, it's dialogue driven and character driven. And and I, I don't know, it, it doesn't, uh, they don't edit as much. Anything new is just like edit, 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 cut, 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 cut. And kids are just, you know their attention's all over the place. Older movies are just, you know they're a little slower in a good way. And I think they're more engaging, they're a little more sophisticated and I feel like it helps his vocabulary. I feel like it's uh, it's not this, it's not this, um, doesn't give them that ADHD kind of um, where their attention is just jumping from thing to thing to thing. Even, even shows that are educational shows for kids. There's one, uh, my, my son's been watching where he learns about people from history and it's very cute. And but it's, it's, you know, it's jumps all over the place. This is like all over the place. And they don't, they can't just stop and pause and tell a story. And I feel like that's, that's good for young minds <laughs> to, to not always be jumping around all over the place.
0: Tell me about uh, some of the reactions you get when you, uh, uh, I know you uh, show a lot of old movies to your son. Mm -hmm. Uh, what's that like what what uh what are the movies that he really responds to uh
2: when he was two he loved top hat with Fred Astaire loved it because he was the the tap dancing would just capture his attention the singing the dancing and it was it was fun and for him when he was that little I tried not to have him be around screens too much when he was that little but I'd let him watch you know a few classic movies here and there he loved that I even bought him some little tap shoes and he would like copy Fred Astaire and kind of tap around in the living room in front of the, he didn't actually know how to tap dance, but he had the little clicky shoes on and he would watch Fred Astaire. And so that was super fun. Um, And he, oh, he loves Buster Keaton. He's loved Buster Keaton since he was that age and he still loves Buster Keaton. He'll do a somersault off the couch and flip and land and He's like, mom, look, I'm Buster Keaton. So that makes my heart happy <laughs> that he loves Buster as much as I do. Um, and so th- I think the silent films are really engaging for kids. It's like watching a cartoon. There's a lot of physical comedy and banging on the head and you know, silly stunts and kids love that. It's just, it's like watching a cartoon. Um, And the ways I get him interested in the movies, I sort of want to foist upon him is, or or I just want to watch it. And I want him to sort of be interested while I'm watching it. One example is I I put Casablanca on and he was like, oh, mom, I don't want to watch. This looks like a boring girl. You know, I don't want to watch this movie. And I, so I, I just had it on. I said, let's just give it a chance. And when he hides the letters of transit in the piano, Sam's piano and you know the whole movie they're looking for the letters of transit I just pointed that out to him I said watch he's gonna hide these letters of transit in the piano and everyone's gonna be looking for them the whole movie and he just totally got into that every time someone went into um into what's Rick's (laughs) every time someone went in there you know Weston's like they don't know the letters of transit he was just all about the letters of transit So I think you can find a little hook that might sort of get them into it and, and watch it with you. And he watched the movie all the way to the end. Usually he'll, he'll watch, you know, chunks of it, or I can draw his attention to a funny scene that I know is coming up. And I'm like, oh, Weston, you have to watch this, you know, arsenic and old lace movies like that are fun for kids. And especially when there's, you know, tripping over couches and Uh little, you know, it depends on the age of your child and what, you know, what you're comfortable exposing them to, but there's, there's not very much in old movies that people can find, you know, offensive for kids to watch. It's mostly, you know, silly humor and and physical comedy and that sort of thing.
0: It's really interesting that he uh, took a liking to Fred Astaire um, and tap dancing because I remember that uh, when I was, very 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 small i was six seven years old i i was fascinated by fred astaire uh the movies where jimmy cagney danced
2: oh yeah he was a great Me too and
0: and 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 in a way it was like uh they were flying you know <laughs> so they were almost like they had these kind of superpowers where they could take off, especially Cagney when he was, you know, <laughs> gliding downstairs and up, up the sides of walls. And, you know, um, it, it, so it's interesting that uh, uh, your son picked up on that too. I didn't uh, start following Buster Keaton until I was a bit older. I, I was, I was already an adult and there was a, a film festival. Uh, I think it was in, in uh, Cambridge. Uh, in Harvard square, there was a Buster Keaton festival and I had read about him and I knew I wanted to, uh, see some of those movies because they weren't on TV at that time. Mm. Um, and I, I was fascinated by Keaton too. And I think for a similar reason, he was almost like a little superhero who could take yeah. flight, <laughs> you know, running after, you know, trains and hurricanes. And, you know, he, he was, uh, he was like a little, uh um, Heroic figure that really fascinating to me,
2: breaking his um, neck, <laughs> breaking bones.
0: Yeah, he fell off a train one
2: time and, and yeah. broke his neck, didn't he? Yeah, um, he's he's, he's um, he amazes me. And then when you learn about him and see interviews with him when he's older, he was so humble. I mean, that's the impression I get. Obviously, I didn't know him, but he just he's like, I he, he was just a genius and it was just who he was. And I, I don't know. I feel I get really like sad when I think about the years when he was alive and he was forgotten. It makes me so sad because I'm like, oh my god, he was such a genius, and he was so funny, and he was so talented. And you know, for there was a few decades there where he he was just he was a nobody, and then he got rediscovered, thankfully. But I don't yeah. know. He, he, was, he,
0: was do, he was doing a lot of those shorts uh, that were hit or miss. You know, yeah, he'd be doing a lot of uh, he'd always be named Elmer or something uh, yeah. in, in these short films. I, I could never match his voice to uh, the way I thought of Buster Keaton yeah. you know, in the silent films. You know, he was this sort of a mysterious little character with, with <laughs> these big eyes and, you know, the, this kind of classic profile, you know. Mm-hmm. But then when he talked, he sounded like a farmer. <laughs> yeah, that's true he, 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 the voice never matched him
2: i thought he did sound like a farmer that's it i sound like my uncle johnny <laughs> that's true yeah
0: the voice never matched him
2: yeah. um and and uh he, he spent I, his summers I, in muskegon michigan and i grew up in michigan so i've been to the house he spent his summers in that um, supposedly is the house where houdini gave him the name buster that's the that's the story is that he, you know so some other people live there and I just sort of like lurked outside staring at it for a while I'm like oh my gosh Buster Buster lived here they, yeah. like, that's where they have the international Buster Keaton Society Festival every year really Deegan Michigan <laughs> time. yeah I, I, I like uh uh
0: I, I like him when he's dressed up when he's in a tuxedo yeah. uh, with a top hat you know, that's <laughs> I always like him in those kind of roles when, when he he gets to, uh, you know, kind of mix with the wealthy people and then you know fall down
2: a flight of stairs or something. Yeah. I, I, I always like that. Um,
0: and, you know, yeah. you talk
2: about like the, con- you know, we we're talking about the connections to more modern films. Um, you know, I, I see Johnny Depp, you know, channeling Buster Keaton all the time. I I saw that movie, Benny and June. I oh, yeah. In the eighties or nineties, but he was, he was doing sort of like a mix of Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton and that character. It's not like a great film, but I thought he was really good in it. And it's fun to watch that and being aware of who Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin are and watch that. And you're like, oh yeah, he's totally, he's totally being Buster Keaton right now. Um, and so I'll, you'll see actors sort of using things they've seen in these old movies and it's cool to, to recognize it, to, to know the old films and to recognize, you know, what people are doing in modern film that that's connected to those movies. And if you've never seen these, then you don't, you know, you don't see that, you won't recognize that.
0: And Buster was also uh, really groundbreaking as a director, as a filmmaker. Uh, and I, I think sometimes people overlook that. They just think of him as the stunt man, <laughs> you know, uh, but he was actually a groundbreaking filmmaker with a, a lot of the techniques he used, little, weird little special effects, uh, uh, double images. Uh, there was one movie where you saw him as five or six different characters. Oh, yeah. Sherlock yeah. Jr. It was called Sherlock Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he was really ahead of his time uh, just just with the stuff he did with the camera. And he that that always makes me sad because he probably had more things he wanted to try uh with the technology because all of that stuff was new yeah and 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 he was just you know he didn't even know what doors he was breaking down (laughs) right (laughs) what boundaries he was setting he he was uh just a a young guy having fun with this new technology um but you know he kind of drank his way out of uh a few jobs and uh yeah, he also had trouble with just uh, some of the movies, they just stopped making money, so he lost his uh, mm-hmm. contract, his production company.
2: Yeah, he ended up, yeah, when he went, I think it was MGM he went to, and then he just sort of, they, they took away his directorial power and, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, they just kind of, <laughs> good. Used them, they started using him as, uh, as just an actor for hire. Yeah, and and pairing him up with Jimmy Durante and, and uh, doing a lot of weird things, which just makes you think they didn't really know what they had. Yeah, guy, you know. Yeah. Now, I okay. So you told me about your son and how he reacts to movies. Have you had a chance to uh, uh, introduce old films to other kids, or how has how that gone? Anything like that?
2: Yeah. Um, we've done a few. Well, you know, before. Pre-pandemic, um, I would introduce like some kid-friendly movies, you know, at the at the local theater. And um, usually it's tied in, you, you have to lure them with like something else, like, oh, it's a fundraiser for something and we're gonna show this movie. So I, I always find ways to waste uh, movies. I did one of those, it was like a fundraiser and we showed um, A Night at the Opera, Marx Brothers. And so the, the movie never is the draw, when I do those kinds of things. But then, you know, often I've done an introduction and there's a lot of kids in the audience and you can tell they're like, well, I don't know what I'm about to see. And then, you know, the payoff is when you just hear them all laughing out loud. And that's what I wish a lot of people, families and, you know, grownups who have the opportunity to to expose kids to these films is the kids might resist because it's unfamiliar. But if the if you just put it on usually they like it so I, I feel like you know sometimes there's a resistance because like you said there's the things they've been marketed and that they know and they hear the names of and I want to watch this and this and this and they've never heard of the Marx Brothers but if you put it on they just start laughing so I've, that's the experience I've had and it, and it makes me so happy where I'm like this is they still get it <laughs> it's still funny
1: Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
0: Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Yeah, that, there's nothing better than that, to, to be in, in a movie theater, and someone does a gag that's 50 years old, and, and it still gets a laugh,
2: yeah. you know. And I wish in some way those, you know, Buster Keaton or the Marx Brothers could hear it. Like, oh, I, wish there's, I wish they knew that they're still funny, <laughs> you know, 100 years mm-hmm. later.
0: Oh, yeah, well, I, I think Harpo marks will always be funny to kids. I, you know, you, 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 could, you, you could show Harpo marks to a, a kid 100 years from now, and he'd probably still get a laugh.
1: Oh, 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 Help, help, I have broke my toes. Why you, <laughs> you call <cut> off my <laughs> you cut off my car? Why do you call? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Hey, uh, I, I know you've been doing a lot of other things for the film detective. I know you did, uh, uh, a commentary for one of our, uh, Blu-rays, I believe. Tell, tell us about that.
2: I actually, I've done four now. Okay. All I right. Believe it. <laughs> I,
0: I know you did, uh, the dancing pirate.
2: Yes. Yes. And that was so, that one was so fun. 1936. Um, uh, Charles Collins, who's like unknown. So I did tons of research into him. And I feel like someone needs maybe I will. I don't know. Someone needs to write his biography because he's just unknown and he was super talented. I I, I I would say almost, you know, Fred Astaire level almost in a few scenes. I don't, you know, I don't, he was he was on Broadway. He was more successful on Broadway. And this was like really his only movie. And I guess he just didn't make the cut. They I read a lot of old. I dug up old film reviews, and they they said he was like he was too skinny. I'm like, Fred Astaire was skinny, so I don't I don't know. He he was handsome. He was an amazing dancer. Um, you know, it's Technicolor, super fun to watch. And um, the uh, dancing Cansinos are in the film, doing several dance sequences, which was Rita Hayworth's dad's dance troupe that she was a part of. So she's in the film. I. Paused and rewatched and paused and tried to find Rita's face in the group of the dancing casinos. and I'm like, I think that one's her. I'm not sure. She definitely is in the film, um, but she doesn't get a credit. Obviously, she wasn't she wasn't Rita Hayworth. Yes, she was. I think Rita, Margarita, Marguerite Kensino or whatever her name was at the time. Um, but anyway, so it's fun to just know those little factoids and try and look for look for the 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 spot where you see her. Um, so yeah, that was really, really fun. Um, you have to do a lot of research ahead of time because when you go into the studio and I don't know if you, you know, want to hear about this part, but it's, it's kind of yeah. fun, I, you know, you've done it, but, um, you know, you do a lot of research and then you watch the film and you've got all your notes written out and I would put the, you know, the timestamp, like at this point in the film, I want to talk about this and talk about that. Um, and then you sit there and watch, you watch the film with the headphones on. And only you can hear the movie, but you're, you know, I was in the studio recording into the microphone. So it's sort of a strange experience uh, and all it's, it's hard for me as a classic film fan to like talk over the whole movie. <laughs> I'm like, I just want to watch it. <laughs> but, um, so hopefully I've, I've had a few people, um, like friends that I let, you know, hear the, the commentary and they're like, Oh, you, it made the movie better. Like, okay. Well, that's the point. So that's, that's good. <laughs> California, Virgil, igual de Rosales, California, preciosa sultana. So watching this dance with our leading lady, I, I think she should be giving him dance lessons. <laughs> I love the castanets she incorporates into her dance. Castanets, which most people know, uh, are pairs of, they were like um, little shell-shaped clappers, or they are shell-shaped clappers that are hinged together with string. And it was a traditional Spanish dance for the dancer to hold a pair in each hand and then click, click the clappers together to accompany their dance movements. Um, and I did the fabulous Dorsey's from 1947 about the Dorsey brothers, which was the actual Dorsey brothers play themselves. And the music's amazing. And it's sort of intriguing and fun to see them trying to act. And, um, you know, it's just awesome music throughout the whole movie. So that's a good one just to have on while you're cleaning the house or doing whatever. Um, And then I did one of the Sherlock Holmes from the uh, box set that came out over the holidays. I did the audio for the fatal hour. Um, And then I did one that is not a kid-friendly film at all? Girl on a Chain Gang from 1966. Jerry Gross, who also produced "I Spit on Your Grave," <laughs> so um, and it's funny because just speaking of in you know inappropriate films for kids that are classic movies. Um,
0: and, and, I, an older kid, it'll be appropriate for an older
2: yeah kid. yeah. I mean yeah, it's not that terrible, but it's it's pretty <laughs> it's um, pretty heavy subject matter. Um, but uh I my one of my favorite genres of movies is pre-code films. And obviously I do not let my son watch pre-code movies. <laughs> and I don't even talk about pre codes in my children's book because I just they're just not appropriate for kids, which is why they're fun and good movies. Um, you know, they're racy and there's nudity, which I did I did let my son watch one of the Tarzan movies, and you see Jane swimming naked, you know, and that was very racy in the early 30s but um, yeah pre pre codes would probably be the one category of classic films that i wouldn't necessarily encourage grown-ups to <laughs> to watch with kids
0: well you know jennifer that's why they brought out the code
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> hey they i'm okay am showing okay. that stuff <laughs> that's that true the kids were just going into the five-cent movie and seeing whatever
0: <laughs> looking for buster keaton and they got a naked woman swimming through the jungle
2: scandalous
0: scandalous so now uh i also heard that you're working on uh some kind of a show some kind of a program that uh will be part of the film detective tell, mm-hmm. tell us a little about that some kind of you get our appetite whetted for that <laughs>
2: Yes, I'm super, super excited. Uh, Weston, my seven-year-old, and I are co-hosting a show called Classic Films for Kids presented by the Film Detective. I think that's, that's how we say the full title. Um, and the Film Detective uh, team came to Sonoma, where we live in November uh, last fall. And we spent several days filming all day, <laughs> several days, uh, Weston's grandmother was on set, thankfully, and she was she was the official kid wrangler. So, you know, she would she would take him out to play and then, you know, OK, grandma, we need him. And he did great. He um, he would memorize his short lines and stand on his mark. And it was very impressive. But um, what we did was uh, pull together 10 films. There's going to be 10 episodes that I think one will run a, one per week once they start airing. I think, I'm not sure. Sometimes we'll say spring 2022. So soon they will start. Um, It's family friendly. Um, We showcase um, a lot of classic films, some that are well-known, some that are not. We have a Buster Keaton movie, Steamboat Bill Jr. um, The Jungle Book from 1942, The Kid, uh, Charlie Chaplin's 1921 silent film classic, a Shirley Temple movie, Gulliver's Travels from 1939. So uh, just a mix of, of different kinds of movies. And Weston and I do a, a brief, uh, you know, two to five minute intro where we talk about the movie and then we do, then they show, they'll show the film and then we do an outro that's at the end of the film where we sort of wrap it up and talk about it. And we did, we used some, a few props. We kind of dressed in character a little bit, a few times and had some fun with it. So we're super excited and hope that this is just a fun way for people to introduce kids to classic movies that kind of packages it up for them so they can, you know, just turn it on and we can, we can make it fun and get them interested in the movie that's about to be shown. Hopefully they watch the film and enjoy it. And then we, we have a little outro at the end.
0: Well, that sounds great. I'll look forward to seeing that, you know, we've given them uh about a half hour of, of uh, q and I think we're done. What do you exactly. think? Anything else
2: you wanted to discuss while we I have? Feel, the- I feel like I should tell you one more thing <laughs> related to the show. So the classic films for kids show, the um, Steamboat Bill Jr. Buster Keaton movie that we introduced, I happen to have met and live nearby Buster Keaton's granddaughter Uh, Melissa Talmadge Cox is her name and I'd met her at a screening of The Great Buster um, a few years ago and so she loaned us for the film for the intro that we filmed she loaned us one of Buster Keaton's actual pork pie hats that's like greasy and has a hole in it and he wore it in his movies and she just has it and she let us borrow it so Did did you wear it there's a picture of me wearing it, but my son wears it in the intro, I think, or we have, and we, and then we have it, we have it on the set with us when we intro the film. We were, we treated it very delicately, but we did, we we did each wear it for of like a few minutes each <laughs> with her permission. So that's just sort of a cool thing that I wanted to share.
0: That, that is cool. And, and unfortunately you had to give the hat back.
2: Oh, I didn't want to. <laughs> oh, you still have it? No, I had it for a couple of weeks and I messaged her. She lives about an hour away and I emailed her and I said, oh, I'll bring you the hat. And she's like, Oh, no, no rush. And I'm like, Okay, well, I'll bring it next weekend. And then I was just like sitting in my living room and I'm like, oh, I have to give it back to her. But it made me happy to have it in my house.
0: <laughs> well, a little piece of movie history, a, yeah. a little piece of Buster.
2: A little piece of Buster. I touched something he touched. You know, I can die. Wow. Out.
0: I know. That's interesting um and it was uh in still in pretty good shape or 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 was it uh how old was it it's 100 years old
2: 100 years old yeah it had like kind of his like hair you know kind of greasy you know a little in the inside and there's a little hole in the top um so you, you kind of held it delicately
0: oh yeah. yeah it's
2: it was it's he was so his head was so little because it's <laughs> so small it was just, oh, he was it, a little guy yeah Like perched on my head you know like it's not like I could pull it down and fit it right. over my big head. <laughs>
0: right, 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 and, and all, all the men slicked their hair back back then too. They put a lot of greasy stuff in their hair back then, yeah, so. Homemade. Yeah. Yeah, I think they
2: made things on it.
0: <laughs> but it, yeah. It all looks like Rudolph Valentino with that slicked back look, you know. <laughs> um, so, wow, well, that's great. We'll see that hat. I'm Don Stradley. This is Jennifer Churchill on the other side of the screen. Jennifer, thanks for talking to us. We'll look forward to uh, all of your future work at the Film Detective.
2: Thanks, Don, it was fun.